episode eight, season two, Socks. So I was telling this story today and I was like, this would make a great podcast. So I thought I would update everybody with a surprise podcast. Short and sweet, but very interesting. So when I was back in training, we actually had a lady who lived by herself who was brought in for a subarachnoid hemorrhage. And basically a subarachnoid hemorrhage is when an artery sort of has a dilation. Almost think of a balloon popping and there's bleeding in the brain. Unfortunately, when this happens, half the people don't even make it to the hospital. They die prior to the emergency room. But this patient had had an aneurysm rupture and she was actually checked in on by a neighbor after they noticed several packages had piled on her front porch. And when they checked in on her, they noticed that she was not quite herself. She knew her name, but she wasn't acting appropriately. And so she was brought into the emergency room. And when they evaluated her, she had had signs of a subarachnoid hemorrhage. But it had been not quite a week. I remember us trying to see what day she had had a hemorrhage, and it was either day five to day seven when she was brought in. And fortunately, she was actually doing very well. Um, She had just been slightly confused, but she was able to take care of herself and survive until someone actually came in and checked on her. She was oriented enough to keep herself alive and make meals, but not oriented enough to really know that she was not doing well and needed to go to the hospital or to call 911. So a very narrow gray area. But so she actually did quite well. Uh, Our vascular surgeon in residency training actually was able to coil it. So what is coiling an aneurysm? It's where you actually, and I explain this to patients as, you know what cardiologists do where they put a catheter and thread it up to the heart to put a stent? Well, there's a neurosurgeon's. And there's also radiologists or neurologists that have a special training to do catheterizations. And actually in training, I, I uh, spent six months doing these, but for you to actually practice and uh, be credentialed, um, you need two years. And so I have enough experience to know when a patient needs and what they need to be treated, but not where I can perform that function. Um, we actually have one surgeon here in Abilene that has that uh, training. But that being said, she was able to get a coiling. We monitored her for a day, days where we call it vasospasm. So what is vasospasm? Well, basically, when that blood gets spilled into the brain, it actually irritates the arteries. And it can make them spasm where they gets smaller. And if you thought about it spasming, if think of a like three lane highway, well, a lot of people actually have radiographical spasming, but they're not symptomatic. So what does that mean? It, it's probably like a highway in five o'clock traffic, very dense and filled up. 
but there's still blood supply going through. It just doesn't look very pretty. Then you have patients that actually have spasms and actually have to be treated with management to try to make sure there's great blood flow through those arteries. And what would that look like? That would be like five o'clock traffic with a wreck. And, and it depends on how bad that wreck is. Does it shut the whole highway down or does it shut one lane or two lanes? And so depending on how bad that wreck is with the blood supply going to the brain, some of these patients have actually had to go in and go in and either uh, apply a medication that prevents it to spasm or go in and actually balloon open that artery to get blood flow. And I remember one of the first patients with a subarachnoid hemorrhage, this is not this lady, not Socks lady, but another patient, and she was rather young, who had a basilar aneurysm rupture. And she had really bad vasospasm. And she went back five days in a row. And we had her on like four to five blood pressure medicines to keep her brain perfused. And it was so bad that where they went in on her right groin with so many attempts and her needing so many um, uh, uh, procedures as well as not getting perfusion, uh, she ended up losing her leg on that side because it got clotted and everything we did to save her brain um, made it go ischemic. But in the end, she lost her leg, but she survived. So vasospasm is not something to take lightly when it happens. But I also noticed, and I'm not a vascular neurosurgeon, but in training, I also noticed that the younger people are the ones that spasm that had more vasospasm. And I think it's because this is just, it's nothing research, but there's less probably calcium deposit in the arteries, So the arteries are not, are a lot more susceptible to the blood causing irritation than older people when they have an aneurysm rupture. So I actually saw more vasospasm with younger people, but I don't know if that's actually proven, but that's just an observation. That being said, we usually observe people for vasospasm up to about two weeks after the subarachnoid, and usually they declare themselves. Usually I saw like after 10 days, you either know or or that they're going to have vasospasm or not. I think there was only like one, maybe two patients in my whole training that I uh, monitored and that had vasospasm after day 10. But that being said, she was treated. She was doing a lot better and she actually cleared. She didn't need to go to rehab. She needed to go home and we we're going to get home health set up for her. And her brother had come in to help with this transition and I was actually on the floor and I said, and I actually had a meeting with him as well as um, one of the nurse practitioners that, excuse me, we had two nurse practitioners that helped manage the floor every day. And um, we were meeting with him, trying to get things uh, situated um, for her to go home. And we said, well, would she be able to go home um, tomorrow? And I think tomorrow was like a Thursday or Friday. It was the end of the week. So we we're trying to see about the weekend. And he said, no. 
didn't you know about the socks? And I was like, socks? No, no one ever told me about the socks. And he said, well, my sister, she's a hoarder of socks. And that's actually why they realized that she had that brain aneurysm because she had bought so many socks. They were piled on her front porch, but she never checked to bring them in. I was like, no, I didn't realize that. So uh, she buys a lot of socks. And he was like, yes, she's a hoarder of socks. You can't even walk through her house because there's piles and piles and piles of socks everywhere. And I just looked at him like blank, like no way. And, you know, for everybody who knows me, since we wear scrubs all the time, and it's like the same color scrubs, I really, um, I tend to wear fancy socks or socks, holiday socks, or every now and then I just wear a pair of athletic socks. But, I mean, socks are the accessory when you're a surgeon. So, I was just like, my jaw was on the floor. And I thought this is a very interesting story because... He said, I have to go clean up and get all those socks out of her house so she won't fall or trip on them. I was like, I was like, well, you're going to need more than a day or two to get that done. He's like, yep. And I said, how about Monday? And he's like, Monday is great. So oddly enough, this is sort of reflective and um, like I say, I'm not a psychologist, but there are times in our lives that stuff that we are hoarders about or have priorities. Some people it's alcohol, some people it's tobacco, some people I guess it sucks. But they, in a way, make us realize or we get that, how do I say this? awareness that we need to get our stuff together that what we are focused on is the wrong thing and in a way I think people in you know AA Anonymous with alcoholism I mean it's like getting a pile of socks on your front porch having others look in on you and seeing what's going on what's wrong And it's a wake-up call. That's what I was looking for. It's a wake-up call. And in that wake-up call, we can go in, get things taken care of. But for us to go back and to really have a wake-up call, we can't have that in our lives anymore. We have to get rid of it. And as hoarders, sometimes you don't want to get rid of it. But there are times that you need to get rid of those socks. So, sort of a lesson in a neurosurgery story. Thanks again for all who are listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed.